leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Long ball. It's going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Webster Slaughter. Hello Cleveland, welcome to another episode of the 1085 Grand Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host of the North Coast Sports, Jack McCurry. How are you doing today, Jack? Oh, I'm doing well, man. A uh, crazy wild card weekend in the NFL, but uh, of course we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns and uh, their crazy offseason that's gone on so far. Yeah, I don't think we'll be hitting any kind of uprights in this podcast, uh, like in the Bears game. But, um, you know, we have a a lot of uh, news to go through. And then we are going to give you our top 10 Browns moments of 2018, kind of wrapping up the uh, wrapping up 2018. And we'll be looking ahead a little bit. But we have some news first and we'll start with the Browns interviewed Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. Um, on uh, Sunday, the, you know, Jack, obviously this comes a day after the Colts held uh, the Houston Texans to only seven points in their playoff game. And, you know, this kind of has been a, a quiet name. Um, you know, we weren't really expecting him uh, to, to be interviewed, but obviously he made Dorsey's list, and he's also defensive coordinators. And, you know, I think we've really focused on a lot of the offensive guys, but it seems uh, a few of the defensive guys have um, gotten interviews because they also interviewed Brian Flores, who was the Patriots defensive coordinator. So it, it, it seems like there's a real possibility this team could go uh, the defensive route in terms of its head coach. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at it, and we talked about it on the last episode. It's not about, you know, trying to find the next Sean McVay. I think the Browns are really trying to look for the best option at to lead this team going into the future. And I think John Dorsey, I mean, I, I think it's clear to see that he's keeping all his options open and he's looking at every possible, possible option for the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And when you look at Eberflus, I mean, he has been primarily a linebacker coach through from the time he was in college. He, and he, he's an Ohio boy. He's from Toledo, played at Toledo, then started coaching there and worked his way to Missouri where he was, uh, uh, assistant coach. Then he became the defensive coordinator there for years. And then he started his NFL coaching, uh, career with the Cleveland Browns. He was the linebacker coach under Mangini, 
then went to the Cowboys. And then, you know, I would think this last year has been a whirlwind for him, you know, being hired as a defensive coordinator, thinking it was going to be for Josh McDaniels, only for McDaniels to back out and go back to New England. And he ends up being the defensive coordinator for Frank Reich. And what an unbelievable season they've had. Uh, no one was really talking about the Colts defense at the beginning of the year. Now they're one of the best in the league. And uh, Eberflus is making a name for himself. And even if he doesn't get this head coaching gig, you know, the job he's done in Indy so far with that defense and the players that they have, which is a nice blend of uh, youth and veterans. Yeah, he's doing a great job. And if he keeps it up, he even if he doesn't get this job, uh, he's looking at he might be a head coach in 2020 or sometime in the future. Yeah, you know, he seems to have come out of nowhere, but, um, you know, I, I think it's very interesting uh, that, that he, it seems like he has a very legitimate shot at this. And, you know, if they do hire him uh, as their head coach, there's, all, there's a definite possibility that, you know, he would keep Freddie Kitchens. Um, you know, obviously he would be coaching defense, and having Freddie on offense I, I think is what majority of, of Browns fans want at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we're looking at a potential scenario where Freddie Kitchens will be here in one form or another unless a complete offensive-minded coach that no one's talking about comes up out of nowhere and becomes the next coach of the Browns. I think Kitchens could very well be here whether he's the next head coach or whether they hire somebody and they want to keep Kitchens on as offensive coordinator. I think the Browns are intending to do that. Um, I think that's why they're not letting teams interview him right now, just because they do not want to let him go until they know for sure that he's not in their in their plans. So um, I think it's a good method. I know a lot of people were questioning whether, you know, the Browns should be doing that to Kitchens, but he's still in the plans for the Browns as of now. And of course, things could change within the next week, but um, they know what they have in Freddie Kitchens and they don't want to let that go. If I'm correct, the only way uh, that he could leave the Browns um, is to be a head coach, correct? If he wants to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else, the Browns would have to release him from his contract. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, If teams want to interview him, uh, they have to say, well, we want to interview him for head coach. But uh, when you look at it, if there are teams that want to interview him for offensive coordinator, the Browns, a, don't have to let that happen, and B, won't let that happen. And there's a team right now that could be hiring a potential head coach that could use Kitchens as offensive coordinator, and I'm referring to Tampa Bay. Um, based on all reports, Bruce Arians is the front runner for that job, and word on the street is Freddie Kitchens would probably be his offensive coordinator and then probably become the head coach in waiting once Arians decides to officially retire. So, I mean, that's a situation to keep your eye on, but like we just said, you know, the Browns don't have to let Freddie Kitchens go, and I don't think they will until they know for sure that he's not in the future plans. One thing that came out of this uh, Eberflus interview was we found out who is on the Browns' search committee uh, for their new head coach. Uh, the committee consists of Jimmy Haslam, J.W. Johnson, John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf, Paul D. Podesta, and Andrew Berry. Jack, when you look at uh, that search committee. Do you think that's um, what you kind of expected, or are there some names on there that you're kind of surprised to see? Uh, the one name that I'm really shocked to see is J.W. Johnson. And for those that don't know who Johnson is, he's the son-in-law of Jimmy Haslam. 
He's the executive vice president of the Cleveland Browns, and he primarily works on the business side. So when you're looking at this committee, I mean, they pretty much brought everybody, the top heads from the organization for these interviews. You know, you got Haslam, who's obviously the owner and runs the whole organization. You have Johnson, who's the head of the business operations. You have Dorsey and Wolf, who are the head of the football operations. And then you have Dee Podesta and Barry, who are the analytic guys. And I'm sure they throw, they're probably out there and throwing scenarios at coaches to see if it matches up with what they would do analytically or some form or another. Um, I know there's been reports that, you know, Dee Podesta has a big role in this organization still. And, from my understanding is he's kind of the he's the neutral guy and between Haslam and Dorsey in some instances. So, you know, none of these names really surprise me. I think that is a strong committee to put together and you have all facets of the organization in that committee. So I think it's good for all sides. I'm sure, you know, the media heads uh, in town will make a big deal out of this tomorrow and throughout the week. But uh, I don't see any problem with this committee whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's a very well-rounded uh, committee. Like you said, it, it has all aspects of the organization in there. When you're able to get different opinions from each aspect of the organization, uh, I think that's a good thing. And the, the real question is who on that committee has final say. I think we all hope it's John Dorsey. Um, and we all think it's John Dorsey. Uh, hopefully it's not Jimmy Haslam. But I would imagine uh, – Haslam has to sign off on whoever uh, Dorsey or whoever has final say decides to hire. So um, I, I would like to think that John Dorsey does have uh, the final say in all of this. Um, well, one more uh, piece of head coaching news uh, that we'll go over is that according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, the New England Patriots are preparing for Josh McDaniels to leave with the Green Bay Packers and the Cleveland Browns being the two leading options uh, to land the Patriots offensive coordinator. Jack, uh, you know, it's been very – the Josh McDaniel stuff is kind of picking up steam over the last 48, 72 hours. Do you think that this is a, a legitimate thing uh, that McDaniels could be the guy here? Uh, I would say there's a chance, but the fact that they did not interview him – during this open opportunity makes me think that he is a candidate, but he's not the candidate. He's not the top choice. Now there may not be a top choice at this point. Obviously they have interviewed, I think five guys at this point, they're going to interview kitchens, McCarthy. And I think there's a couple other people on tap for this week. Uh, the next time that they can have the opportunity to interview Josh McDaniels is either when the Patriots get eliminated or after the Super Bowl which is a month from now. So if the Browns want McDaniels or want to sit down and talk to him, they're going to have to wait um, at for at least a week or perhaps a month. And that makes me wonder if he, if he is the guy, then I can see him waiting. But if he's not the guy, then I don't think obviously the Browns are going to wait around for him and nor they shouldn't because you got to think, is he going to be able to put together a staff? a month from now once the Super Bowl's over. Now, uh, I think the Packers see McDaniels as the guy, and I think they could uh, hypothetically wait for him. But I don't know if the Browns are willing to do that just yet. Could they interview him between the 
AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl because you do have those two weeks there with the Pro Bowl in between. Are they able to interview that that first week? I don't believe so. I don't remember how the exact like process is, but from what I've seen on media reports is they can interview him once the Patriots are eliminated, but then I don't think they're able to interview him until after the Super Bowl. But I could be wrong on that, so don't hold me to it. All right. Speaking of, of teams that are uh, eliminated, today and yesterday we saw uh, the Chicago Bears get eliminated, the Baltimore Ravens get eliminated, the Houston Texans get eliminated, and who was the fourth? What was the fourth game? Seattle Seahawks. Okay, the Seattle Seahawks get eliminated. Is there anyone on those four teams that got eliminated uh, that you can see the Browns taking a shot with an interview this week. My my first thought would be um, the Vic Fangio, the the guy from uh, the Chicago Bears, the defensive coordinator there. Vic Fangio is an option, and then you know the rumors might come up. John Harbaugh, and there's was talk this morning that two teams are wanting to talk to Baltimore about a possible trade. I know Harbaugh said after the game that he's committed to Baltimore, but if a contract doesn't get done, it makes you wonder, is Harbaugh going to go to Baltimore and say, let me go out and see what's out there? You know, he's under contract through 2019. So, you know, obviously he's can stay with Baltimore next season, but I'm sure he'll look and see what his options are out there. I know Denver's been a team that's after him. Makes me wonder if the Browns would go out and try to potentially uh, see what if Harbaugh would be interested in the Cleveland job or if they're interested in, even in him at all. Um, I don't know what the price would be on a trade. I know the Gruden trade, I think, was a first and a third. Uh, when he went from Oakland to Tampa. So would the Browns be even willing to offer the 17th pickup in a trade for John Harbaugh? Uh, I mean, I'd be interested. I like John Harbaugh. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, but I don't know if the Browns would be willing to give up a draft pick hypothetically for a head coach. Well, if Harbaugh is the one that they want and his contract is up after next season, could you just see them riding with Greg and Freddie uh, for next year until they're able to, uh, go get John Harbaugh without spending that compensation that is pretty crucial, uh, I think, to this Browns offseason. Maybe, but, I mean, it's all hypothetical. I think if Harbaugh, if they couldn't come together with a trade, then I think the Browns would probably just go in another direction. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. All right. I, I think that'll, that kind of wraps up the, the head coaching talk uh, for this episode. I'm sure when we talk to you guys next, uh, there'll be some more news. Who knows? We might have a head coach by then. Because, um, you know, we're really not sure how long this is going to take. Uh, it, it could take two more days. It could take two more weeks. We, we don't really know. But what we're going to do now is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to go through our top ten Browns moments of the year. And uh, Jack and I compiled this list. We also got some feedback from our listeners as well, and we'll read those on the air uh, after we're done giving our 10. Uh, so at number 10, the uh, our number 10 moment of 2018 for the Browns is the Cleveland Browns selecting Denzel Ward at number four over Bradley Chubb. Uh, this was a pretty mixed reaction uh, for Browns fans. Uh, a lot of people wanted Bradley Chubb, but – 
obviously there are a lot of Buckeye fans uh, that are Browns fans, and um, you know there were there's a big section of, of the fan base that was really happy about this, and you know it really paid off I think for the Browns uh, to make this selection. Um, you know you really didn't hear Denzel Ward's name called too much, which was a good thing. The only downside was there were a few injuries this year, but I, I think this being uh, one of the top moments of 18 is pretty justified. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, during the pre-draft process, I think we were all kind of set on Bradley Chubb as the fourth pick in the draft. But, you know, and I can honestly say that I always kept Denzel Ward in the back of my mind as a potential pick. You know, the Browns had a need at corner. Uh, you know, Denzel Ward was one of the best players in the draft. You know, what he did at Ohio State was unbelievable. And that's not being a Buckeye honk because, it, I mean, if you watch the tape, honestly, as a guy that's, you know, watching these draft prospects, you could see that Denzel Ward could play. He was a great cover corner. He was physical despite his small frame. And, you know, he was just a solid athlete. And, you know, there was always the knock that the Cleveland Browns avoided Ohio State players. Well, John Dorsey killed that narrative immediately, you know, selecting Ward with the fourth pick. And he had a solid rookie year. Obviously, the health issues going forward, the fact that he had two concussions in a month. But if he can overcome that and, you know, be the player that the Browns have seen him to be, then they got themselves a beast with that fourth pick in the draft. All right, our number nine moment. Uh, there were a couple different trades were made at this point, but I, I think the biggest trade uh, that, that ranks number nine on our list is the Browns trading Deshaun Kaiser to the Green Bay Packers for Demarius Randall. Um, it, it's no secret how big Randall was to this team on on the field and off the field. You can just tell that there's a a certain leadership with Randall that and a certain swagger uh, that he brought to that Cleveland Browns defense and. I think one of his other moments will um, surface on this list in a little bit, but uh, I think that the Browns getting Randall uh, via trade was, you know, I, it's obviously on our list, but it was an extremely crucial part of the offseason. Absolutely. And when you look, not just this trade, but the other trades that were made during this time, when right before free agency started, John Dorsey, you know, added pieces to this roster. He traded a fourth and a seventh round pick for Jarvis Landry, who was a, an upgrade on offense and an upgrade in the locker room just because of his leadership and, you know, what he brought to the table. And then obviously this trade, I think this trade could be talked about, you know, when they talk about highway robbery and trades, this is one of those trades. Demarius Randall, first round pick a few years ago, uh, was a free safety. Green Bay moved him to corner. He struggled. And you still find Packer fans that are knocking Browns fans for praising Demarius Randall. Well, he came in. Greg Williams put him back at his natural position of free safety. And I would say that Demarius Randall was one of the best free safeties in football this year, uh, creating turnovers, making plays all over the secondary. And you can see that this secondary is starting to build something, you know, with Denzel Ward, with Terrence Mitchell, with Randall, and then, of course, Jabril Peppers, who had a solid second season as a pro. You can see that there's a, I wouldn't call it the Legion of Boom, but maybe a lighter version of the, the Legion of Boom. And maybe if they add another corner, 
this secondary is going to be dominant for the next couple years because all these guys are fairly young and they still have room to grow as players as well. But you can just see the dominance that this trade and the Landry trade brought to the Browns because it injected some good culture into that organization and also injected some good production on the field as well. It, it certainly injected attitude to this defense. And um, the one of my favorite moments of, of the season of his, uh, and it's not even the one that we're going to talk about, was uh, in that first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers when he picked off Ben Roethlisberger running down to the <laughs> – Running down to the dog pound with real peppers after his interception, I, I love seeing that uh, from him and from this defense. You know, you saw it a few times, and you know when when you could incite a crowd like that, like he did that day, uh, you're doing something right. And he made a statement week one, and it lasted the entire season. And uh, to have that kind of attitude on the Browns defense uh, is certainly welcome for sure. Um, our next moment, number eight. I would is Jarvis Landry's touchdown reception against Carolina. Now this is hard because I we couldn't decide whether the catch that Jarvis Landry made was better than the throw that Baker Mayfield made. I think it was kind of a, a tie between the two, uh, so that's why it, it ended up on our list here at number eight. But well, when you look at that play in that Carolina game, uh, the catch that Jarvis Landry made on that throw for Baker Mayfield uh, was. was Pretty epic, and you know that's why it landed at number eight on our list. I mean, we could talk about the whole play in general on this play. I mean, Baker, you know, escaping pressure, rolling out to his left, and be able to to plant his feet and throw a perfect ball fifty-one yards down the down the field, and then to throw it into double coverage. And for Jarvis Landry, who, you know, had some criticism from fans this year, and it was justified in some instances, but to make an outstanding catch in the end zone for a touchdown uh, in a game where the Browns, you know, pretty much dominated the Carolina Panthers from the start to the finish, you know, Landry, like we said, had his, had his moments where he didn't look like a guy that deserved to make $15 million but catches like this and double coverage and, you know, to help out his teammate Baker Mayfield, who made a great throw in this play as well for a touchdown, it makes it one of the best moments of the year. And you could argue that this whole Carolina game was the Jarvis Landry show because not only did you have that touchdown uh, touchdown catch, you had the touchdown run uh, that he had, uh, that short yardage one, and then he busted a, a 50-yard touchdown uh, run as well. I, I think he was the first Browns player to have a 50-yard touchdown. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Reception and a 50-yard touch or uh, a 50-yard run uh, in the same game. I want to say it's been like 15 years or so. Um, so it was a, that game against Carolina was definitely the Jarvis Landry show. Um, that number seven was Nick Chubb show in the game against Atlanta. And uh, he had a 92-yard touchdown run in that game. And that lands at number seven on our list. And, you know, 
at the beginning of our show, you guys hear some of the famous calls uh, in Browns history. Uh, you know, you hear Run, William Run. You, you know, you heard uh, Jim Brown uh, running. You heard Brian Sipe uh, throwing a touchdown pass. And we might have to add this one in, into our intro at some point because the call that Jim Donovan made uh, on this play uh, certainly goes down as top five in, of the season for sure. It might be top five all time because, I mean, just, you know, Chubb breaks free and then, you know, at the end, Jim Donovan goes Chubba Wubba Hub. And like when the first time I heard it, I was like, what did he say? And I had to go back and listen to it. But it's a classic call by Jim Donovan. But, you know, besides Donovan, Nick Chubb, you know, this is a guy that wasn't starting until about week seven. And he went on an absolute tear the final eight, nine games of the season uh, was second in the league in rushing yards behind only Ezekiel Elliott. And Chubb established himself as one of the top running backs in the league during that nine-game stretch. And, you know, you want to talk about Baker Mayfield and you want to talk about Denzel Ward, but Nick Chubb was just as important to this Browns team as those guys were. And, you know, you got to feel really good about the Browns offense going forward with not only Baker Mayfield at quarterback, but to have a franchise-caliber running back in Nick Chubb uh, and to have a guy that's 230 pounds but has breakaway speed the way he did, and credit to Antonio Callaway who made a smart block by just throwing his hands up in the air and directing traffic for Chubb as well. It was a fantastic play and one of the unbelievable moments of the year. All right, coming in at number six on our list, uh, we, we mentioned Demarius Randall and attitude, and I don't think you can't get any more attitude than – uh, the interception he made against Cincinnati and then running over uh, with the football in hand and handing it to the recently fired Hugh Jackson. Uh, obviously, when that happened, uh, Brown's Twitter w- was just set into an absolute frenzy. And the Cleveland Browns dominated that entire game uh, after uh, Hugh Jackson went down to Cincinnati after he was fired. And uh, you could tell uh, that there was a lot of animosity uh, between the between the Browns players and Hugh for going down there, and uh, this was definitely the, the tip of the iceberg for sure. Absolutely, you know, we talked about you know the attitude, and it was just an absolute savage moment to where you know we usually do a top dog of the game poll after these games, and I think you and I both said that it was unanimous. Demarius Randall got the top dog of the game that game. Not just, I mean, he had an interception, and I think that might have been his only big play of the game. But to do what he did and go hand the ball to Hugh Jackson like that, it was such a savage moment. And I think it's a moment that Browns fans won't forget anytime soon just because Randall pretty much gave that ball. And it was from not only the team, but for all the fans just to say, thanks for leaving, Hugh. Uh, here's a game ball for your uh, for your losing effort. Here's finally a winning game ball that you can take with you uh, out the door. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, number five on our list. Uh, I would say this game was, you know, this was the second primetime game that the Browns got to play this season, and it was against Denver. And, you know, everybody, every Browns fan knows the history between uh, the Browns and the Denver Broncos and, you know, everything that went on in the past and, for this game to be on primetime football uh, on Saturday night, you know, we were hoping for a fantastic game, and 
it couldn't have ended in a greater way with Jubil Peppers sacking uh, Case Keenum to, to clinch the game for the Browns and winning in Denver and, and winning for the first time in, was it 30 years, 20 years, um, beating the Denver Broncos. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, the Browns being able to go into Denver and, and beating uh, the Broncos, exercising some demons, uh, I, that's why that one, that's why real uh, real pepper sack lands at number five on our list. Yeah, and it was a it was a crazy moment because at the end of the game, you know the Browns went for it fourth and I think it was fourth and goal. They were inside the ten, and instead of taking a field goal, making it a four point game, you know they tried to get a first down to seal the win. But uh, I think Greg Williams trusted the defense. You know the Broncos made a, a couple plays down the field, but. You know, Jabril Peppers, who, like we said earlier, had a breakout season, you know, finally got into his natural position of strong safety and uh, made a big time sack, sealed the win and, you know, kept the Browns in the playoff hunt for another 24 hours before we got knocked out because of uh, unfortunate circumstances in other games. But, you know, what a big moment on a, on a primetime level that the Browns, you know, finally stepped into a position where you know we're not looked at as the dredge of the league you know they everybody kind of took notice that the browns were back and were making some serious noise all right number four on our list um you know this season the the browns had a winning record in the, the division and it started out with this and you know i was lucky enough to be in attendance for greg joseph's game winning kick in overtime against the baltimore ravens um you know to beat Baltimore at home uh, to split the season series with them. Um, you know, for them to be our first division win of the year uh, and our first division win in a few years uh, was uh, an absolutely incredible moment for the season. And, you know, things kind of started to, to get going a little bit uh, for Baker Mayfield in that game. He threw for over 300 yards. And, you know, when you can beat a divisional rival at home, um you know that's very uh, good for your football team. You know the the Browns were two zero and one against their division rivals at home this season, and uh, hopefully when teams from the division come to Cleveland to play the Browns here in, over the next you know ten fifteen years and even farther than that, uh, hopefully the Browns have a, a dominating record at home. And it started off with this uh, first division win. Yeah, and you know it, the game got started. You know, Denzel Ward made a big uh, blocked kick on a field goal attempt. And, you know, the game was pretty much a defensive slugfest. And it went to overtime. You know, it was like one of four or five overtime games the Browns had this year. Um, you know, it got down to the end. And Baker had to depend on a undrafted rookie free or a wide receiver, Derek Willies, who made a big 40-yard catch and run. You know, then we had a couple solid runs from Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde and you know they they rested on the leg of Greg Joseph who took some slack this year I thought he had a solid rookie year you know he had some missed kicks but you know especially today you know looking at the wild card game with the Bears you know no kickers perfect in this league despite what anybody wants to tell you uh you know I think Greg Joseph looked like he has a spot in this league and you know you make a kick like this where and even this kick against Baltimore it looked like he I think it got blocked but it still sailed enough to go across the uh the goal post to win the game it was a crazy moment 
And it was even crazier to the fact that Hugh Jackson had to rush the players off the field because he thought that Baltimore was going to have the chance to get the ball back with two seconds left. So it was a stupid moment by Hugh, but an exciting moment for the Browns as they got a win. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion uh, at the end of that game, but you know that that ball barely made it over the crossbar. Uh, I, I'm sure the, the Bears hope that their kick uh, tonight would have done the same thing, but uh, yeah, that kick was partially blocked, uh, barely made it over the crossbar. But you know, a win is a win, and too bad that same thing didn't happen Week One against the Steelers. Uh, but we'll, we won't reflect on that one. We'll just reflect on the on our positive list and. Uh, as we move on here, number three on our list uh, might be uh, number three on our list, but it could be maybe the top Browns moment uh, of the last 20 years since they came back in 1999, and that is uh, with the number one overall selection in the 2018 draft, the Browns selected Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma, and uh, we knew um, at some point the Browns were going to hand uh, – the keys to him. Uh, we didn't know it would be so early in the season, but uh, the whole culture of the Cleveland Browns absolutely shifted the day that they drafted Baker Mayfield. Absolutely, and they you you know they all the stuff leading up to the draft. Baker Mayfield really wasn't talked about. I mean, he was to a degree, but no one was really thinking that the Browns were going to do it. And, you know, everybody was talking about Sam Darnold or Josh Allen or even drafting Saquon Barkley, number one. And then I think within like the last 24 hours of the draft, stuff started to circulate that Baker Mayfield was going to be the pick. And even then, nobody wanted to believe it. People thought maybe it was Dorsey trying to get a team to trade up. But, you know, lo and behold, that was the pick. Baker Mayfield was the pick. And turns out he was the right pick, you know. Uh, 27 touchdowns, breaking the rookie record, and only 13 starts where the record was 26, made by Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson in 16 starts. Uh, so to see what he did in only 13 starts, 13 and a half games, I mean, it was quite the uh, epic rookie season for Mayfield, and it looks like the Browns made the right pick for once, especially at quarterback, so... Uh, this moment could be number one, but it's number three, which means there's obviously two bigger moments than this. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, our, our number two moment, and, you know, it, it, it's it's weird because this technique usually isn't a, a very positive thing, but for the Cleveland Browns and his fans, uh, it was very positive, and that was Hugh Jackson getting fired. Um, you know, Hugh getting fired you – know, completely turn around this entire season. You know, we saw the job that Greg Williams was able to do as interim head coach. We saw what Freddie Kitchens uh, was able to do with the offense. You know, I, I guess we should include uh, Todd Haley getting fired in this. Uh, but, you know, the record that Hugh Jackson had uh, over those first two and a half years uh, was abysmal. And for him to finally be let go, finally to be fired, uh, the weight was off the entire organization organization's shoulders and um, you know once that once that came down this whole thing really started to change and you know we saw the positive outcome that came from it yeah I mean it, it was a move that should have been made a year ago at this time uh, but the Haslam's wanted Doris or John Dorsey to let Hugh have another chance 
Uh, he hired his own offensive coordinator, but it just didn't work. The the two were fighting. It was stunning the development of Baker Mayfield. It was, you know, the season was starting to spiral out of control when we all could see that the Browns had talent. You know, it w- it was just an issue of, you know, they didn't have the right coach. And, you know, the move was made. Greg Williams got elevated to head coach. Freddie Kitchens, who had never been an offensive coordinator, got moved up to offensive coordinator, and, and the Browns took off. They went 5-3 and three in the final eight games. Um, you know, lo and behold, Hugh Jackson, you know, goes on his media tour, talks about how he wasn't to blame for anything. Uh, it was everybody else's fault, essentially. And then he goes down to Cincinnati, where they only win, I think, one game after he got hired so that he, he took the losing culture with him and, you know, the Browns started winning. So like you said, these kind of moments usually aren't big moments, but for the Browns it was because uh, it actually set the Browns on the right track. So, I mean, you know, you hate to see people get fired, even though they, they do get their money still at the end of the day. Um, but for Hugh getting fired, it was a total blessing to the Cleveland Browns organization. I have no sympathy for somebody who got fired and is still making millions and millions of dollars from getting fired. So he he absolutely deserved it. And, um, you know, like I said, it was a weight lifted off the entire shoulders of the organization. And uh, only positive things happened uh, from that. And, you know, we saw everything that Baker was able to do, everything Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams was able to do uh, after he was gone. And, you know, there's really no arguing that it was a positive move for the organization. All right, number one uh, on the on our top ten moments of the Cleveland Browns for 2018. Uh, you know, you can't. To, to me, it's certainly unanimous. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that this was it, and that is Baker Mayfield's debut on Thursday Night Football against the New York Jets and leading the, the Browns to a comeback victory uh, to get the Browns' first win uh, in over a season and a half. I can't remember what the day total was uh, for this, but, you know, for Baker to, to come in uh, to that game, electrify the crowd, and to lead the Browns on a very nice comeback uh, against the Jets on, on primetime football in his debut, uh, you really can't argue against that. No, not at all. Just going back and watching that game again and, you know, Tyrod was struggling and, you know, I remember texting with my buddies. I think I was messaging you too. You were at the game. I'm like, Baker's got to go in. I said, we have a chance to beat this team, even though we were down 14, nothing. I was like, this needs to happen. And then lo and behold, Tyrod got hurt with a concussion, unfortunately. And then Baker came in and the tide just turned for the Browns that night and I can just remember you know sitting there watching that game and then when Schobert and Mitchell picked off Darnold twice within the last two minutes you know it felt like the Browns had won the Super Bowl that night which is crazy but we hadn't won a game in like 600 something days and then I just remember the videos of the uh the beer lockers or whatever the beer coolers or whatever unlocking and everybody just going crazy it it was an epic night and you know, you got to see the start of the Baker Mayfield era. And, you know, that's one of those moments that you'll just never forget as a Browns fan. You know, watching Baker, who didn't even throw a touchdown, lead the Browns on a 14-point comeback and winning that game in dramatic fashion. It was a thrilling moment, and it's probably the best moment of the whole season. It absolutely was. And, you know, 
I was at that game, and you know there, you know we saw, you saw how poorly Tyra was playing, and you know you started to hear Baker Mayfield chants just start to creep into the into the stadium, and then you know they started to get louder, and they got louder, and then after Tyra got hurt, and you saw that blue tent go up, and Tyra go into it, that's <coughs> I'm getting chills talking about. That's when you just heard the entire mood of the stadium completely changed. They knew he was coming in and you know the the chance got really loud and you heard you heard on the broadcast um uh Joe Buck talking about how the chance were getting really loud uh for Baker Mayfield and when he came into the game at the end of the first half there the, the place erupted. Uh the video <coughs> excuse me, the video package that they showed um when he came in was fantastic. Unfortunately, you, the people at home didn't get to see that, but uh, the video package was awesome. And, you know, just him completing pass after pass on that drive, uh, just to get some points before the end of the first half uh, was absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, the the Cleveland Cleveland play that they ran, the two-point conversion uh, after they scored a touchdown, uh, <coughs> electrified the stadium. You know, that's my background. Uh, on my computer here is him celebrating after he catches that two-point conversion attempt. And, um, you know, it, that whole game uh, was something. And, you know, you're right. Once, um, you know, Randall and, and Schobert picked off those passes and, uh, you know, you could feel, uh, you know, the, the wind coming. You know, they were finally going to do it in 600-something days. And, uh, you know, that was the night of the rally possum too. Uh, you know, I was there for that as well, and you know, just just everything that entire night on primetime football, uh, you know, that changed the entire course of the organization, and uh, you know, that's where you started to see that hey, we might actually have our franchise quarterback, and I think over uh, the course of the entire season after that point, uh, I think it kind of proves that hey, we finally got our guy, and um, you know, for us to have that guy for the first time. Uh, since Bernie, uh, you know, I, I think that's it's such a fantastic feeling, and we're very excited to to see what goes on from here. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of amazing moments in 2018, and I know I can speak for most Brown fans that we cannot wait for the exciting moments yet to come uh, from 2019 and beyond. I forgot to unmute myself again. Damn it. Um, all right, we uh, wanted to hear from you guys. Uh, we got some feedback on uh, your top moments of the year. They kind of correlated with ours as well. Um, uh, I'm so sorry if I butcher names because I am terrible with pronouncing names, so I apologize in advance. Um, Andy Pecconi, uh said uh, that drafting Baker Mayfield uh, was his top moment of 2018. Lord Bone Splitter, which is a fantastic Twitter name, said that Baker leading to come back against the Jets in Week Three was his top moment of 2018. Uh, Douglas Kramer uh, said that Nick Chubb's 92-yard touchdown run was his favorite moment of the year. And Park the Vanilla Man, which is another great name, uh, said honestly every play. Uh, we had a chance on every one of them to win. Next year will be the same. And, you know, I don't think there's any disagreeing with that. And we appreciate all you guys uh, who submitted your 
uh, Tom Momos for 2018, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed our list. And if you want to debate us on it, go ahead. You can take us on on it. We don't care. We'll, we'll, we'll defend it as much as we want. Um, before we get on here, Jack, is there anything you want to discuss? Is there any Did I forget anything? You did not forget anything, Anthony. I'm very proud of you. Okay. Well, besides the, the me forgetting to me myself, we almost escaped this entire podcast without a mistake. But that's all right. We'll, we'll let it slip with uh, one minor mistake. So if you want to go ahead and plug what you got going on on the North Coast Sports, I know you've had a, a ton of page views over the first week of the new year. So I, I know you got quite a bit going on over there. Yeah, it's been a busy time over at the NorthCoastSports.com. You know, I keep everybody up to date. I try to, at least, uh, with what's going on in Cleveland sports. So go check that out. And as always, uh, go follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. I do provide some humor every now and then on there. Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I said every now and then. I I mean, you you have to live up to your name as the buzzkill Cleveland sports every once in a while. So... Yeah, I would say it's more that than humor, but that's okay. Well, well, with my Josh McDaniels love, uh, you know, I'm living up to my name as the Buzzkill, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. All right. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at 1085Gridiron. Uh, you could listen to our podcast as you're doing now on pretty much any platform that you can think of, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We would absolutely appreciate it. And with all that, I hope you guys enjoyed our top 10 uh, Browns moments of the year. And as always, as we get on out of here, I'll leave you with this, and that is Go Browns! Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.